Amen. And we're going to be teaching today on uh, John chapter 6, starting at verse 1 through 15. And uh, we've been going through, through the chapter, through the book of Mark, and Jeff left off last week in, in, in our study with the latter part of chapter 5. And, and today in chapter 6, it starts out with two words, doesn't it? After this. I don't know what your translation says, but mine says after this. So what does that mean? After this. After what? Well, just what took place. And turn that off. Still going? Okay. <clears throat> so we know that if we look back, that Jesus had healed a, a crippled man. And he healed him on the Sabbath. Well, you know, the Jewish leaders at that time had taken offense they weren't impressed about the healing that took place of this, this man who'd been crippled for 38 years. All they could see was that Jesus healed this guy on the Sabbath. They, wanted to, they couldn't discount the miraculous signs that Jesus performed, so what did they do? Well, this guy, what, who was this that healed on the Sabbath, you know? They wanted to discredit him and discount him and and then Jesus was speaking to him, and, and uh, he was telling them plainly who he was, and that just incensed them. They, this man is a blasphemer. He, well, he claims to be the Son of God. He is the Son of God. That was the point, Max. That was the point. Jesus is who he says he is. Amen? He is a teller of truth. He is the truth. He is the way, and he is the life. And they couldn't see it. The religious leaders couldn't see it. Why? Because they didn't want to see it. They didn't want to relinquish power that they had over the people to this man named Jesus Christ. But they couldn't deny the miracles that he was performing. We're going to get into that just a little bit later, but it says that after this, after those things, we also know in chapter 5 that Jesus had sent out his disciples, right, two by two, to go out into the villages and, and uh, to heal the sick and cast out demons and, and, and do all these things. So they had been gone out for a while. But now they have returned. And, uh, nope, I, I got it on the wrong place here. They've returned. And if you, I'm going to go and, and look also. This miracle that Jesus was getting ready to perform on these 5,000 men that were there, plus their women and children, it's only one, I think it might be another one, but it's the major one, one miracle that, that Jesus performed that's written about in all the Gospels. Why would that be? Well, because if you have 5,000 men plus all the women and the children and everybody that was there who got fed that day, it wasn't just an isolated incident where this one here got healed, or this one here got his, he was made, he was blind and he was made to see. 20,000, probably maybe 20,000 people were a part of this miraculous sign that Jesus done. They all got fed. And they just didn't get fed a little bit, did they? They had their fill, the Bible tells us. And that's the way that Jesus does us. He says, I come to give you life and give it to the what? To the full, to in abundance. And that's exactly what he's getting ready to do here. So if we go back, and I'm going to look in Mark chapter 6 and just kind of set the, the stage for where we're at right here. And if uh, it's in Mark 6, 
uh, verse 30 that we see uh, Mark's account of it. It says that the apostles returned to Jesus from their ministry tour and told him all that they had done and taught. And then Jesus says, let's go off by ourselves to a quiet place and rest a while. He said this because there were so many people coming and going that Jesus and his apostles didn't even have time to eat. So they left by boat for a quiet place where they could be alone. But many people recognized them and saw them leaving, and people from many towns ran ahead along the shore and got there ahead of him. Jesus saw the huge crowds as he stepped from the boat, and he had compassion on them because they were like sheep without a shepherd. So he began to teach them many things. So we see Jesus was... In chapter 5, he was in Jerusalem, and he healed people, and, and all the people at the Passover saw all the miraculous signs that Jesus done, and he had gra- gathered quite a following, and they were following him, and they were bringing the sick and the poor and, and, and they, the ones that, that were hurting, and they were bringing to Jesus to heal, and they're following him, and he was teaching them along the way. And they were so many people coming to Jesus that they didn't even have time hardly to eat. So Jesus is wanting to know more about what these disciples uh, were able to accomplish in his name on their, on their ministry. So he's saying, let's just go away for a little bit over here to a quiet place and we'll talk some more. But that wasn't going to occur because everybody, Jesus was at the height of his popularity and everybody wanted to see Jesus and see the miracles that he performed. So they were following him around. They could see the boat and Jerusalem's down in the south. And, and the Sea of Galilee is up in the north, and, and it's up there, so it's a, a good long ways. But from the time that Jesus was in Jerusalem doing the miracles, he had the, the encounter with the religious leaders there. He had left that place, and he was going up, and he was close to Galilee, and he was, he was up there by the Sea of Galilee. So it was probably, I don't know, it doesn't tell us exactly the chronic chronological time but it was probably close to a year because it says here and we're going to see a little later that they were getting ready to these people were were going through this area going south to Jerusalem for another Passover feast so there had been some time that had elapsed and these people as, as Jesus goes along has more and more people coming to see him so let's get John chapter 6 verse 1 after this Jesus crossed over to the far side of the Sea of Galilee also near the Sea of Tiberias and why is it also known as the Sea of Tiberias well because when the Romans occupied Israel they had a custom they named towns and cities after Caesars so the Sea of Tiberias Caesar Tiberius they named the sea after him and he had a city named after him as well so this the Sea of Tiberias but it says a large crowd kept following him wherever he went because they saw his miraculous signs as he healed the sick. It says, then Jesus climbed a hill and sat down with his disciples around him. And it was nearly time for the Jewish Passover celebration. So this time has come back to the Jewish Passover and people are making the pilgrimage to go back to Jerusalem. So not only are people following Jesus from the, from the south, that people are coming from the north and all these people are converging right here in this area and they see and hear about Jesus being there so we have a confluence of all kinds of people coming and they hear about Jesus being there so they're coming to witness the miraculous signs and wonders that he has been doing and that they've heard about so it's nearly time for that Passover and they're coming through there and Jesus saw this huge crowd coming to look for him so he turns to Philip and he asks, 
where can we buy bread to feed all these people? Well, you got 12 disciples. Did you ever think about why he asked Philip this question and it's recorded in the scriptures? One reason why was because Philip was from the area. Philip was from Bethsaida, and it was about nine miles from where they were at at the time. So he would have known where the villages and the towns in this area were. That's why he was asking Philip, where can we buy this much bread? Well, Jesus already knew. If he looked a little further, it says he was testing Philip, for he already knew what he was going to do. There was no physical possible way that any of these little towns and villages along the, the route that they were on could sustain and feed how many? 12, 10, 15, 20,000 people? They didn't have that many. We don't have that many people in the town of Washington. What if somebody, a group of people the size of our town just showed up in Montgomery and said, hey, we need, we need food? Not possible. Not humanly possible. Let me say that. Not humanly possible. It says in Mark chapter 6 that Jesus had compassionate on him. And, he's, and the disciples also, you know, seeing that it was in Mark chapter 6, verse 35, says, Late in the afternoon, the disciples came to him and said, This is a remote place, and it's already getting late. Send the crowns away so we can, they can go to the nearby villages and farms to buy something to eat. So, you know, there's, there's the, 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 the scenario, what, what we're seeing here. You know, it's getting late in the day. Jesus has been... Uh, teaching and healing and, and, and casting out demons and all the things that Jesus does. And, you know, and they say, hey, you know, we need to really send, send these people away. It's getting late in the afternoon and they got to find food somewhere. And then Jesus was saying, you know, where can we buy bread to feed all these people? And he knew what he was going to do already. And Philip replied, you know, Philip replied with his human understanding. Even if we worked for months, we wouldn't have enough money to feed them. I think in some of the later translations, earlier translations, this, I'm, by the way, if it sounds a little different from, me, from what I'm reading to you, mine's out of the New Living Translation, the Recovery Bible is what, what I'm teaching out of today. So it's, it says that. And I think in the New International Version, it says, even 200 denarii wouldn't be enough for even all these to have just a little bit. 200 denarii was over probably about seven months' wages because a denarii was a, was a day's wage for, for a Roman worker, a Roman soldier in those days. So Philip is only thinking about the physical, how much money it's going to take. He's counting the cost, but he's not counting it in the right way. Amen. And then uh, Andrew, Simon, Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, spoke up. There's a young boy with five barley, barley loaves and two fish. You know, and if he had just stopped there, if he just had the faith to know that Jesus Christ, who, who, is, who he says he is, could multiply that and feed those, but then what does he say? But what, is, what good is that with this huge crowd? See, he started seeing with human eyes too. And he, you know, and that's something that always puzzled me too. If you had been traveling with Jesus, had, has Jesus called you to be his disciple and you had been traveling with Jesus and saw all these miraculous signs and, water, and wonders that he'd done, turning the water into wine, healing the blind, the lame, the sick, casting demons out, wouldn't it even cross your mind 
that maybe, just maybe, Jesus has the power to feed these many people if he wanted to. But so many times we, we come into a crisis like this and what's the first response? Oh, it's just too big. The problems we face are too great. So what do we do? Nothing, right? But this little boy, he's a poor little boy. And how do we know he's a poor little boy? Because he gives up his lunch to Jesus, consisting of five barley loaves. Barley was the lowest grade of, of bread that you could buy in those days because it was the bread of the poor. It was a rough grain, and it wasn't, it wasn't the best bread, but it would sustain you. It would fill your stomach, and it would sustain you. My granddaughters, they, they like a bread called Dave's, what is it, super bread? Is that what you guys eat? Huh? Dave's killer bread, I'm sorry. Dave's killer bread. And I will have to say I have sampled that, and it is pretty good, but... You go to the store and it's about twice as much as, as uh, any other bread that you would eat. It's even twice as high as, as when you go to the Amish store and buy a, opa, a loaf of Amish bread. It's expensive. Well, barley is down at the very bottom of the, of the rung when it comes to quality of, of bread. Okay, Five barley loaves and two small fish. And, and this fish that, that this little boy had... He was probably packing, his mom probably packed him a little lunch basket. And these barley loaves that we're talking about were probably more like little biscuits or crackers. They weren't big loaves of bread like you would think. And these fish, the, the Sea of Galilee was full of fish like sardines. Or what's them little bitty ones that, the, the, not, not anchovies, but herring, herrings, right? So they're not real big fish and they're not, you're not, they're not Virgil Nep fish. They're not Virgil Nep fish that are, that are big and juicy and deep fried. These were probably laid out in the sun and dried and salted. And they were probably about as hard as shoe leather. You know, have you ever, ha, anybody ever ate dried fish before? It's kind of like jerky, right? A little bit. So it wasn't the greatest cuisine that this little boy offered up. But then Jesus, but God, <laughs> he, know that he knew that he was testing Philip. And you know, that, that brings me to another little sermon in a sermon. Sometimes we get tested, don't we? Sometimes we got to go through some rough stuff to grow in our faith. Jesus is about to grow a multitude of people's faith. And he's going, he's going to feed them and show them just how great he is and what he can do. But so many times when we don't have the faith to see the power of the Lord Jesus, then we would probably resort to the same understanding that, that they had. But the Bible tells us we're not to, re, to, to, to uh, lean on our own understanding, are we? We're not to lean on our own understanding. James chapter 1, I think it's verse 2 and 3, it talks about being tested. If I can find it here real quick. 
to go. I had it. Dear brothers and sisters, when troubles of any kind come your way, consider it an opportunity for great joy, for you know that when your faith is tested, your endurance has a chance to grow. So let it grow. For when endurance is fully developed, you will be perfect and complete, and you'll need nothing. You'll need nothing. We get tested in all different ways. It goes on in chapter 1, verse 12. It says, Blessed is the man who perseveres under trial, for when he has been tested, he will receive the crown of righteousness that's been promised him from, from God since the, day, the beginning of time. Somebody's going through some tests, amen? But they've got to keep their faith. Keep your faith. God's going to see you through this. Amen. So he tests us in many ways. And these disciples are getting tested. This, my easel is really wobbly. I'm trying to keep it from falling over. So they're getting ready to get tested. And Jesus is getting ready to show them who he is. So he says, have everybody sit down. And I think it's somewhere it talks about this place that there are geographically. It, I think some places it calls it a mountain. Well, these are, if you remember back in the history of, of Israel, in 1967 they had a six-day war. And this six-day war took place in the, 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 what they call the Golan Heights. And this is where this area is. It's in the north. And the hill, the, the mountains that, that some of your translations say, the mountain, it's basically, it's not really mountains, it's more like big hills. But there's a big grassy area where they're at. And he's having all these people sit down. And I think in the book of Mark, it talks about that they had them sit down in groups of 50 and 100. And then the disciples would take it out. So it says here, and, and we'll have to get this because it, it kind of points to another place that reminds me a whole lot of. And it says that, uh, he says, tell everyone to sit down. And Jesus said, and so and we're in verse 10. It said, Jesus said, so they all sat down on the grassy slopes. And the men alone numbered over about 5,000. Then Jesus took the loaves, and he gave thanks to God, and distributed them to the people. Afterward, he did the same with the fish. And they all ate as much as they wanted. And after everyone was full, Jesus told his disciples, Now gather up the leftovers so that nothing is wasted. So they picked up the pieces and filled 12 baskets with the scraps left over by the people who had eaten from the, from the barley loaves. So what we see there in those, those passage scriptures there, first of all, if we have faith as small as a mustard seed, it'll move mountains and it'll feed multitudes, right? What else does it show us? It shows us that God is a loving and compassionate God and he will take care of our needs. And he won't just take care of our needs a little bit. He'll take care of our needs for each and every day to the full. He's, he's our Jehovah Jireh, right? He's our provider. He provided, just like he did with Moses and the people of Israel in, in the desert. He brought them manna from heaven. Well, now he's bringing bread out of five loaves and two fish. And not only did, you know, and, and there's another kind of a parallel too, because when, when God sent down manna from heaven to the Israelites, it was just for that day. They weren't to hold it over except for on the Sabbath, right? They weren't to hold that food over. It was just their provision for that particular day. Well, now they've got an abundance, and they got scraps, and Jesus says not to waste it, you know. Well, that's another little sermon in a sermon there. 
we have been given resources and God has given us abundantly, but we're called to be good stewards of what he's given us. Amen. We're not to waste it. We're not just because we got so much of it, we don't waste it. We, we use it to, to the glory of his kingdom. So they picked up those pieces and 12 baskets were filled. Well, those disciples who didn't have time to eat, they all got a, got a picnic basket, didn't they? When you're doing the Lord's work, he's going to take care of you. When you're doing the Lord's work, he's going to take care of you. So we see that these people, they've been fed. They've been fed well. They've, they're walking around there, and they're, oh, I couldn't eat another bite. You know? God took care of them. Jesus performed that miracle by feeding those, those men, women, and children there on that hillside that day. And you know what? Jesus, who wasn't recognized as the Messiah by those people, those religious leaders in, in Jerusalem, just at the end of chapter 5, look what it says in verse 14. When the people saw him do the miraculous sign, they exclaimed, surely he is the prophet we have been expecting. They saw who he was, and they, they, they believed him, at least for the miracles that he performed, right? If you look at the end of chapter 5, uh, it says this. It says Jesus is speaking to him, and he, he's talking about these religious leaders, and he says, you're, I'm going to start at verse 41. It says, your approval means nothing to me because I know you don't, know the Father's, don't have the Father's love in you. For I have come to you in my Father's name, and you have rejected me. Yet if others come to you in their own name, you gladly welcome them. No wonder you don't believe. For you, don't believe. For you gladly honor each other, but you don't care about the honor that comes from the one alone who's God yet it isn't I who accuse you before the father oh, see Moses will accuse you yes Moses in whom you put your hopes if you really believe Moses then you would believe me also because he wrote about me but since you don't believe what he wrote how will you believe what I say and where does that come from it comes out of Deuteronomy chapter uh, I think it's chapter 18 and Jesus is speaking to the, or Jesus, Moses is speaking to the people. And they were so afraid when they heard God's voice speaking to God, or Moses speaking to God, that, they, that, that Moses tells them this. And then Moses says, The Lord your God will raise up for you a prophet like me from among you, among your fellow Israelites. You must listen to him, for this is what you yourselves requested of the Lord your God when you were assembled in the Mount, on Mount Sinai. You said, don't let us hear the voice of the Lord our God anymore or see his blazing fire, for we will die. So Moses spoke and said that there was a prophet coming like him, like him, right? And the Jewish religious leaders didn't, didn't recognize Jesus, even though they were studiers of the scriptures and they knew the Torah by heart. How is it that they couldn't see the signs and the, the miraculous wonders and not believe in Jesus? I don't know. Their eyes and their hearts were darkened. They were made blind by God. But these people who were here, 
recognized what was going on. And just a short while later, they're going to see, those disciples will see Jesus taking bread and lifting it up again, right? And giving thanks over the Last Supper. Take, eat this, all of you, for this is my body broken for you. Right? The communion elements that we're about to receive, Jesus is getting ready to, to share. After he's fed these multitude of people, and they saw this miraculous sign, all these thousands of people there, Jesus is going to start talking to them about the true bread of life. That my body is real food and my blood is real drink. And whoever drinks my blood and takes my body will be one with me. And then there's going to be a whole bunch of those thousands of people that are there going to walk away. So that brings us to a challenge on our own hearts and our own lives. Why are you following Jesus? He is next. But there's a whole lot of folks, just like in Jesus' day, that are only following him to see what he's going to do next. Or what they can get out of him. But when it comes to the deeper spiritual need instead of the physical stuff, then they're going to walk away. We sung a song that a little while ago said, take me deeper, amen? Jesus wants to take us deeper, but are you willing to go there? Are you willing to take, as Jesus said, to count the cost, to take up your cross and follow him? You know, and maybe you're sitting there thinking like I did for a lot, lots of years, God, I really don't have anything to give you. I don't have the talents of our worship team. I can't sing. I can't play a musical instrument. And if I did, coyotes would show up. I ain't the smartest man in the world. I'm not highly educated. But one thing I do know that I have, and I have it because Jesus put it in my heart, is that I have love. For God's love, and he dwells within me. So I can love people. And when I come here and talk to you guys, it's not because I have a great education. I squandered that years ago. My mama, she, she made me go to Bible college. I didn't want to go, so I got kicked out of Bible college. Yeah, you laugh, but I cry. It breaks my heart because of what I did. I had to repent from that and ask God to forgive me because I knew that he called me something to something greater. I didn't know what it was or how it was going to be, but it wasn't what I had planned for my own life. And what I wanted was greater than what God wanted for me in my own eyes. So my life was full of turmoil and trouble for a lot of years because I was not going with Jesus. And I'll tell you this, things go better with Jesus, amen? I thought I knew what love was, but I really didn't until I said, okay, Jesus, here's all of me. I don't know what you're going to do with me, but here I am. 
most of those people that were there, they were there for the entertainment value to see what Jesus was going to do next, what miraculous sign he would perform. But they didn't want to get too close. The real healer, of course, Jesus is God and he does God things. But the real, the real hero in this story that saved today, I believe, was the faith of that little boy. That little boy saw the signs that Jesus did, knew what he was about, and knew he didn't have much, but what he had, he gave to Jesus. And look what Jesus did with it. A miracle so great that thousands and thousands of people had their lives changed that day because they experienced it firsthand. And if you're sitting there and you're thinking that you don't have anything great to offer Jesus, I assure you, you do. Because even if you have a little bit and you offer it to Jesus, he can multiply it and use it beyond your wildest imagining. Then look what it says in verse 15. When Jesus saw that they were ready to force him to be their king, he slipped away and into the hills by himself. His time had not yet come. But there again shows a little bit of a flaw for, for those people. Because when they had seen what he'd done, they knew that he was a prophet. They wanted to seize him and make him king, a political, a political leader. They were tired of the oppression that they were under, under the, the Caesar. So they were going to take Jesus and try to force a military coup or a takeover of Israel. We will establish our own king and we will fight these Romans. But they didn't understand this Messiah that was to come. He was to be the king of our hearts. King of our hearts. And each and every one of us has to make that decision. Who's going to rule in our own heart? Is he going to be Lord of Lords and King of Kings in our own hearts and our own lives? Because if he's not, if you're not willing to do that, then he's not really Lord of all. You're still King of your own heart. You're still ruler of your own destiny. Amen? But Jesus gave us everything. He gave his own life for us. He gave us his body and his blood and when we prepare for communion today I guess we're going to have communion aren't we uh, when we prepare communion we need to prepare our own hearts scriptures tell us choose this day whom you're going to serve whom you're going to serve as for me and my household we're going to serve the Lord. We're going to serve the Lord. So I'm going to challenge you today. If you're here, you've seen the miraculous signs and wonders that Jesus has done. You've heard. But maybe you haven't made that commitment today. Second Corinthians chapter 6 says this. I love it. It's a challenge. 
We as God's fellow workers urge you then not to receive God's grace in vain. For he says, on the day of salvation I heard you, and on the day of my favor I helped you. Indeed, today is the day of salvation, and today is the day of God's favor. Today. And if you're here and you haven't given your heart to the Lord Jesus and say, here I am, Lord, I just need you to use me however you want. I know I don't have much, but what I have I give unto you. May you be glorified through my life. And if you're not here, if you're here today and you haven't made that decision, if you haven't drawn that line in the sand in your life, we would love to pray with you today as we begin to uh, take communion and we need to examine ourselves. And if you come to that point in your life that you want to make that decision, say, okay, world, I'm no longer a part of you. I am in the world, but I'm not of this world. I am a child of God. I am I am a servant of the Most High King, Jesus Christ, and I give him my life and my heart today. And if you want to make that decision, please come up. We'd love to pray for you. And if you don't feel comfortable coming up, just where you're at, just raise your hand, stand up. People will surround you and pray with you. I promise you that. Because one thing I know about this church, there's no condemnation here. They just love you. How do I know that? Because they love me. They loved me. So as we begin today, examine your hearts. Are we fully God's? Have we fully given everything to Him today? Let's go deeper, church. Let's go deeper.